morning, everyone. <clears throat> well, this morning we <clears throat> won't be turning to a Bible verse right away. We'll be looking at, we'll be working off the handouts. <clears throat> uh, just a little opening statement on this that uh, <clears throat> the reason I would want to do this is that um, <clears throat> is to just systematically go through scripture and check the major doctrines and it the purpose isn't that we can become the smartest kids on the block the the purpose is that we would as his followers better know our god and savior and that that is the goal i have in mind and i hope that that's what happens okay the introduction <clears throat> the foundations of the christian faith and it's subtitled Systematic Theology, because that's basically what that is. And so now the introduction to Systematic Theology. <clears throat> First, Systematic Theology involves the collecting and understanding of all relevant passages in Scripture about any given topic, then summarizing their teachings clearly and accurately. In other words, what does the Bible teach on any given subject? That is Systematic Theology. Plain and simple. The simplest way I know how to, to do, say it is that. Now, <clears throat> this first section, um, theology as a science. Actually, I should have said theology is a science. I should have been more dogmatic about that one, and it really is. Uh, so I would change that. I'm going to change that in mind. Theology is a science. And then I did some comparisons here of other sciences that are out there, some of them, like for example, biology, the science of life and of living organism. Uh, <clears throat> cosmology, the study of physical universe. Geology, the study of the origin, history, and structure of the earth. Physiology, the biological study of the functions of living organisms and their parts. And theolo theology, theology is the study of the divine revelation in the Bible with the goal to know the character, will, and acts of God as he has disclosed these truths for his people. Now, Christian theology is the science of knowing God in order to better serve him. Now, one thing about theology, uh, we, one thing we can learn from uh, things that are going on, theology, just like these other areas. Now, in biology, the science of life and living organisms, can you think of anything being taught under the guise of biology that is dead wrong according to biology question. no this is a this is a <laughs> matter of fact i'm throwing it should be a slam dunk for an answer gender. the gender stuff there. that's coming yeah 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 more than two more than two genders just leave, leave it at that right you know that lgbtq plus and that's that plus that really gets you i mean wow i don't know what else on there you know a tree orangutans i don't anything i mean you know trees plants cabbage i don't know but but again, you know, <clears throat> geology, the same thing, origin of the earth. That was one of the early <laughs> ologies to uh, go down the garden path. And I might, you know, we might get into that a little bit too. Uh, but quite honestly, it's still, I believe, factual that there is no factual scientific evidence to this day for evolution. It's still theory based on conjecture and computer models. Just like global warming. Okay. It, it, it's all conjecture based on computer models and 
theories that have been taught so long, they now teach it as if it's truth. And they, they make it, bing, bing. If you, and if you think any, if you think otherwise, you're, you're banned. And I think there was a um, <clears throat> movie out by Ben Stein, I don't know if you saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't canceled, but it was, what's another, um, what do they do with when they get rid of professors and teachers? Anyway, there goes the mind again. All right, so anyway, now the categories, what's that? That, that's your close. Expelled. Thank you. Expelled. That's the name of the thing. I've got it. I've got it. If anybody wants to see it, it's a. I've got a DVD of that. It's worth looking at. If you're, it's just very interesting. Anyway, <clears throat> when we get into bibliology, I've got another one, another uh, DVD that you might be interested to take home. If I put it, it's it's over an hour long. So um, we can't do it here in our Sunday school, but I've got another one uh, when the time comes. We wants to take it home on the uh, origins and the, and the texts behind the New Testament. That expelled. Expelled, yeah. Okay, now we're going to the categories of systematic theology. The first one, that would be the first one we're going to get to in, in our study. I'm going to take it pretty much in this order. Um, this is pretty much the classic historical order that most theologians put in their theology books. This is in seminaries and even some of the cemeteries. Uh, bibliology, the doctrine of the inspiration, inerrancy, authority, and canonicity of the Bible, plus other things. <laughs> okay, a lot of other things. And one of the other things, for example, that I'd like to get into is, again, you know, how did we come up with these 66 books? That's, that's under canonicity. But, and then there's uh, other things like in, in, uh, interpretation, uh, illumination, things like that. Yes, yeah, so I saw a hand on that. I was just going to have you explain maybe for some of the younger people what canonicity meant. Yeah, canonicity is the canon of Scripture. And we're going to have a whole lesson on that. Is, uh, the, the canon of Scripture is the, in our case, it's these recognized 66 books that make up our Protestant Bible. In other words, we don't accept the Apocrypha as being inspired, and we will see why when we get into that particular subject. I think I find it very interesting. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then you've got theology proper. Now that's the doctrine of the existence of and being of God, including the, the triunity or the Trinity, uh, <clears throat> and the person of the Father. That's usually co- covered under theology proper followed by Christology, the study of Jesus Christ, pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. It's be the person and works of the Holy Spirit and the person and works of Christ under those two headings. And you've got anthropology, the doctrine of mankind, as taught in Scripture. So there's one could lead to all kinds of interesting. And then Quickly followed by hammer theology, the doctrine of sin. Boy, those two go together. Matter of fact, some seminaries just put those together and teach them together because they really do uh, go together. You talk about uh, twin brothers almost. And then soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. Angelology, which we actually did a little bit of a while back. Um, the doctrine of the, of the holy angels, fallen angels, and Satan. And uh, eschatology, 
the doctrine of the scope of biblical predictive prophecy, especially in time events. We spent a lot of time, we just came off of that study of eschatology, and we covered a lot of it, not all of it, we covered a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> matter of fact, I would say we, of, of what would fall under that category, we covered most of it. And I was checking on it, and you know that, that study started last year, July 31st? Yeah, we were that long in eschatology. Did, did it seem that long to you? No. <laughs> it actually went kind of fast. I, I'm kind of surprised. But um, so that, so it'll be a while till we get. Now, I don't plan to spend 11 months in bibliology and 11 months, in, you know, in theology proper. Although in, in theology proper, when you're talking about the doctrine of God, you're talking about the attributes of God. Each attribute could easily be one lesson. I'm not planning that, but I didn't plan to spend 11 months in, you know, eschatology either. So we'll just see what happens. And again, a lot of it is I'm getting with feedback from you folks and questions, which are always welcome, by the way, uh, especially in something like this. And again, I don't want to rush through this. At the same time, I don't, I don't want to drag our feet, but, you know. I just want it to be right. I want, want it to serve whatever need you may have and, and uh, <clears throat> fill in any gaps in understanding as best as I can, okay, as a fellow learner <laughs> of, of many of these things. Okay, <clears throat> good theology leads to sound doctrine. As a matter of fact, you can almost you can make synonyms out of these. Good theology is sound doctrine, okay? I mean, it's just, there's, there's really synonyms. And what I did here... Just to show you the, 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 family, the, the, the family of words here, doctrine, the word doctrine is didaskalia, uh, that which is, means that which is taught or the act of teaching, be used, you know, depending on its context and, and form. Uh, now, the word teach is didasko, right, which is to provide teaching, obviously. Teacher is didaskalos. You can see it again, they're all related words, all come from that same family. And here's an interesting one. <clears throat> Teach strange doctrine. Etero didaskaleo. Okay, everybody, five times fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that is going to be in one of the verses uh, we read this morning. Now, see, we're all right to the back side of this thing. This, this is going quick. Of course, we haven't looked anything up yet. <laughs> But, uh, and there's so much that we could have looked at. But sound doctrine, whether written in a doctrinal statement, which uh, all members invited to that quick meeting after the end of the service this morning, um, <clears throat> or taught by a competent teacher, serve as a standard by which all other teaching on any given subject is determined to be true or false, sound or unsound, orthodox or heretical. Even we, we just, we talked about the thing under uh, secular biology, the multiple, you know, more than two genders, among other atrocities they teach. It applies even outside the church, out there in the world, that true theology, matter of fact, we're going to see that true science does not conflict with the Bible anywhere. It, it just doesn't. Now, there are the Bible doesn't comment on all human knowledge, but where 
it does, there is, there's no contradiction at all. None. None. When you're talking true science. Um, okay, let's look at 1 Timothy. We'll be, in the, we'll be in the pastorals a lot this morning. Because this, these things are so important to those that uh, function as, as elders, for, for crying out loud. It's just uh, 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11 says, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless. And rebellious for the ungodly and the sinners, for the ungodly and, and the profane, for those who kill their, their fathers or mothers for murderers. And they're all out there, aren't they? And immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. All these things. All these rebellious acts, ungodly, immoral, immorality, homosexuality, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, all foreign to sound doctrine, no matter what the world teaches. Uh, and Titus 1, 9 to 11. <clears throat> now, here we are. Um, this passage right here, Titus 1, 9 to 11, is taken right out of the section where Paul is telling Titus, when you go out and pick elders, this is, this is right in with the, the call. This is part of the qualification of the men you want to select. Picking up verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. See? Refort, you, you refute them with sound doctrine, those that are contradicting sound doctrine okay for there are many rebellious men empty talkers deceivers especially those of the circumcision all right those of the circumcision remember the the single biggest heresy of that day that early church was judaism salvation you know you, you, you can be saved but remember acts 15 the council of jerusalem where they're simply going on, you must be circumcised to be saved. See, that was the big heresy of the very early primitive church, that, that first century church. That was the big one. Later on, other things started coming in as well, but that was the biggie. And so, so that way, <clears throat> you must have a guy that understands this. And then verse 11 says that uh, would-be pastor elder would say, who must be of the circumcision, those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not for the sake of sordid gain. Oh, that, that doesn't happen in our day, does it? Anyway, it's kind of like that old country song that was mocking some of these TV evangelists. You know, they say, um, send your money, send your mo- give your money to the Lord, but they give you their address, you know. <laughs> but um, now... <clears throat> Now, Scripture teaches, too, and we know these, but I want to look at them anyway, uh, that Scripture teaches there will always be opposition to sound doctrine. It's there always. Mark chapter 7, let's start there. Mark, and there's so many places we could go. Mark chapter 7. 
I've purposely kept it around uh, patches close so we have a fighting chance of getting through most of these anyway because it's so important. Again, this is just setting the, the, the groundwork. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these patches may pop up over the course of everything we do and others as well. But uh, <clears throat> 7, uh, 5 through 8, in Mark says, And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? The whole thing here was some phony washing ceremony that the rabbis had thrown in to what's going on. They kept adding junk to the scripture and missing the mark of scripture. You know, and it, just, it was just... Again, I mean, it's just so typical of them. And, and he, that's Jesus, said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as they read. You know, Jesus had zero patience for false teachers. I mean, zero. He was, and he, of course, he was speaking from a position of real authority. And he's, you notice, rightly did Isaiah prophesy. Of you, he could have said of you people, you know. He said of you hypocrites. He's making a point. He's got now. He's really got their attention, right? Of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You know, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. And it just so happens they are the men whose tradition it is. And if we did a study on that, which we, you know, which wouldn't be really part of this that much, but I'll tell you, they they had the system rigged to themselves, and it was pointed to themselves. They they perverted the uh, the sacrificial system. That's why Jesus went in there and dumped over tables twice in his ministry, at the beginning and at the end, uh, just to make again to make that statement. You know, you people are just messing up everything, and it's because you are promoting your will over God's will. You're promoting yourself, you know. And I'll tell you, that's why, uh, and some of these guys are very slick in what they teach. Now, First Timothy chapter 1, again, back to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 3. Again, about people being in opposition. As I urge you upon my departing from Macedonia, remain on Ephesus, remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. There's that big long word. <laughs> it, it, teach strange doctrines is that one big word, uh, erodidaskaleo. I want to say alero, like bandolero or something. But uh, that, that's that big word translated right there. And then again, Titus, um, <clears throat> or 2 Timothy 4.3, which we will be in, in somewhere in for sure. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. That's a reference to people within the church. And... It started back then and it hasn't stopped. There's always been those in the church that want their ears tickled. Tell me what I want to hear. You know, they want the little happy message, you know, the feel-good message, um, which often is devoid of the truth. I'll tell you, a feel-good message 
Christ died for sinners. That's the feel-good message. But it's only, it's only feel-good to those that, by faith, have believed that. It's not feel-good to those that want to just tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm okay. Uh, apart from Jesus Christ, you're not okay. You're doomed, you're damned, and you need to get right. That's the message of Scripture. <clears throat> the feel-good comes after that. Okay? And they want it up front. Well, to put it in technical terms, it don't work that way. <laughs> okay? Um, and, and I have, a, I just added another extra bullet point onto this. I go, you know, in our day, it has never been more critical for Christians to possess a solid, biblically based world view. We need to view the word through biblical truth. That's the only way you're going to get through this thing and keep sanity. Half of what's being taught out there, even to, to a lot of the heathens, doesn't make sense. There's, there's a lot of people that aren't believers and never will be believers that don't buy this, you know, multiple gender stuff. They understand just through human understanding that that's, that's impossible and stupid. And a lot of other things, you know, that are out there being taught as truth that aren't truth. And But I'll tell you, it's maddening, and yet it's... It's also frightening when you when you look at it from, again from the uh, from the angle of society where we have our own government is pushing that our own government is is the biggest promoter of just this gender junk they're the biggest promoter of it it's just sad you know I didn't vote for them anyway. <laughs> Other benefits of sound doctrine. Back to First Timothy uh, <clears throat> four, and these are things that I think we all know, but just to get us our minds moving in the right direction for a study on theology, that I uh, just want to just jog us and get us going rather than jumping right into it. Just kind of e- not not ease into it, but because this is it. This is the only introduction I'm going to do. I'm <laughs> we're just going to go right into the. Uh, Divisions of theology, starting with bibliology. Sound doctrine is a mark of equality servant of Christ. 1 Timothy 4, 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, Paul writing to Timothy, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. So in other words, he's encouraging Timothy, man, you've been following sound doctrine, you've been teaching sound doctrine, keep it up, keep going, because that is what quality servants of Christ do. Whether you're a formal teacher, elder, or not, there's, you know, there's a, <clears throat> I don't like terms thrown around something, well, you're or just a simple old regular church goer. Now, there is no simple, ordinary, regular people of Christ, Okay. If you're, if you're a believer in Christ, you were chosen for the foundation of the world, just like Peter and Paul were. Okay? You, you are not, there, there are no second-rate or second-level Christians. Only if you get, get fallen into sin and, and make yourself second-rate. Okay? But, um, no, we're all important. In whatever walk of life we're in and whatever context we meet, have the truth. Have the truth. Have it ready. You know, it's, it's amazing. As a matter of fact, people out there rubbing elbows with the world 
have, can actually have a greater impact on the movement of the gospel than the preacher in the pulpit. You know, because let's face it, the preacher in the pulpit is there for the big main reason of edifying the saints. I know a lot of churches kind of flip that a little bit, think, well, well, we got to bring the unsaved in here so they'll hear the gospel. Actually, that's not what the church, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm getting way ahead of me. We're in ecclesiology, by the way. Uh, <laughs> way ahead, but that's not the main function. Yes, that's good to do because we know there's oftentimes there are folks here that don't know Christ in a saving way, and so it is good to put that gospel out there, and I'm totally in favor of that. I even do it. Okay, Uh, because it's good to do, but that's not the primary purpose of the church gathering together. The church gathering together, the primary purpose is that we be edified, built up, built up together in Christ, in our faith. Okay, now, and uh, 1 Timothy 5.17 teaches us that elders who work hard at teaching are worthy of double honor. And... uh, it says the elders who rule well would be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Gee, maybe I should put in for a raise. Okay, now, so, sound doctrine conforms to godliness. 6.3 in 1 Timothy. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. There's actually a double, double whammy in there. You've got, yeah, and it, it's, it's the implication here, it just, it's, it's implying a noted truth, where it says, uh, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. That's what it does. Sound teaching, biblical teaching, conforms us to godliness. That's what it's all about. And... On the opposite side of that, he's saying, if anyone advocates a different doctrine, lousy doctrine, wrong doctrine, bad doctrine, and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, specifically, what sound words are you talking about? Those given by Christ and passed on by the apostles. Where do we find that? In the Gospels, in the Epistles. <laughs> that's where we find it. And he says, and so that's it. Different Different, different, because different doctrine will impede um, the um, <clears throat> conforming to godliness. It'll, 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 it'll be a stumbling block to that. It'll be a, a, a blockade to that. You get people off on different directions, chasing after, well, like, you know, fables and so forth, as we've heard all through scriptures. Be, Jesus, beware of false teachers. You know, they're like ravening wolves. And spiritually speaking, they just want to sit there and, and spiritually tear you to pieces, you know, uh, so you're, remember, one thing, one thing Satan can't do, Satan can't take away and steal your salvation, but he can neutralize us if we let him and his followers. They, they can't take our salvation away, they can, they, but they can neutralize when we're totally ineffective. Distract. Distract us, yeah, get us off on some dumb tangent, you know, um, <clears throat> trick us into, well, sometimes it doesn't take a lot of tricking, get us to fall into some sin, which makes us, again, useless to the cause of Christ until that situation changes. Now, sound doctrine is, I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but again, I'm just stressing this, sound doctrine is essential to equipping the saints. It has to be there. It's the only way it happens. You know, um, I like saying kind words to people and encouraging people 
uh, you know, just saying, hey, you know, I, I hope things are better if they're down and we'll be praying for you, which is good things to say and do, you know, but, and, and I'm not saying that isn't, and that does help raise people up also, but uh, sound doctrine is essential. Those other things are good to do on top of that, but the sound doctrine has to be there. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17, this is going to be getting too early, where all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. For what purpose? Well, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And we will be getting in and defining all those terms when we doc- talk about inspiration, which is going to be one of the first things we talk about in bibliology. One of the very first things. So might even be next week. As a matter of fact, I think next week might be that revelation and inspiration. I might put those together. Now, teaching and preaching sound doctrine is a mandate for all who teach or preach at, at any level. If, if you're going to teach or preach out of the Bible, it's got to be sound doctrine. You know, it's got to be sound. Uh, you know, there's a reason. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, even to the kids, we don't want to present to the kids the, the Bible stories as being like, we don't want to put them in their minds if we can, you know, do the best we can. And I know it depends on the age factor. It's a little hard, but we want to be careful that we don't present them like, like a fairy tale or something. You know, we don't want, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to let that sink in and think, oh, this is kind of like Aesop's fables or, you know, or Tinkerbell or something, you know. We just, it's got to be, you know, this is, this is the word of God and this is what God is teaching us through this account in Scripture, not this story. Like, okay, and you, you see what I mean? I just, you know, and I'm not criticizing the teacher. I haven't even been in there watching any of you, but I, I know you don't do that, so... But I'm just saying, keep up the good work. <laughs> um, because, again, that, that's, a, that's a risk. I think back sometimes these Sundays, and they, they kind of do that. They present it in, as a as kiddie happy time. It should be more than that. We're starting to put into their minds the things of God. And prayerfully that over the years that God would, through the Holy Spirit, would click. Click that with them. Okay? Because it's through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit works, right? So... It's gotta, they they got to know that that's what they're hearing. And, okay. We already read. I won't. Uh, how are we doing? No, we're, we're fine. I go back to Titus 1.9. Uh, it's just, it's, in mine, it's just the next page anyway. Um, but again, Titus 1.9, it says, Being a man committed to sound doctrine is a qualification of becoming an elder in the Lord's church. I mean, one nine, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be both, he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Again, and that is the job of an elder. You look at the elder. What are the, what are the three titles given for elder? Elder one, okay. Elder is kind of like the generic title. I call it like the generic title. Elder, you know, the guy with. Uh, maturity and so forth, and they have the other two. One is uh, pastor. That's the one that has stuck, and it applies. It seems like in most churches only applies to one guy, the guy behind the pulpit. Um, asking, actually, pastor literally means shepherd. Means shepherd, one who shepherds the flock. All elders are part of that shepherding team. By the way, now we're looking for a quote. 
pastor-teacher type to fill the pulpit because not all of us can for a variety of reasons. All right? We're looking for somebody that hopefully will carry the church on beyond us old geezers. Um, Okay. All over the last few years, it's been, what, three, four years, and it comes in on, well, hey, (laughs) maybe the fourth time is the charm. Anyway, but seriously, um, because you need somebody here, you need somebody, and and it's nice to have somebody uh, seminary trained that um, can actually help out, although I've done it, but, uh, you know, that might be more proficient in things like counseling, and there's a lot that goes into that. Somebody that's kind of like your your on-call guy, you know, and so that, uh, that's what we're, one of the things we're looking for. Um, so anyway, and also the next point, living our lives in accordance with sound doctrine is critical for the individual saint and the church as a whole to function in a manner worthy of the, of the, of, of the, of God's intended purpose. I can put the the out of there. Okay. Ephesians 4. You might have been in early today. Yeah, I did. I just, yeah, I just mentioned that. I, yeah, get the, the uh, yeah, worthy of gods, not the gods. Spell check should have caught that. <laughs> There's somebody. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature in which belongs to the fullness of Christ. There's the standard, the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, every false doctrine that comes down the pike, and so many are, gosh, I can name some of them, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That tells me one little kind of a subtle point there. The scripture is often, well, in Ephesians, it's described as a sword, not a club. It's not a club or a battering ram, <laughs> okay? So, and I think that's where building up itself in love, you just give it out, it will do its work. It will do its work. It's, it'll either soften the heart or it might harden the heart, but it will do, it will do a work. It will work. It, uh, like it'll never return, on, return void? No, it won't. It'll, it'll, it'll get a reaction. But just looking at, looking at some of these passages, um, it says, um, Again, for the, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for what reason? For the work of service, that could be translated ministry, for the work of service, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the same word for deacon, okay, 
to the building up of the body in Christ. Again, all these people that were mentioned, we'll get to those in future lessons, but, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, those folks were given to the church for the specific reason of building the church up, making it strong, making it healthy, making it vibrant. And again, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It doesn't say for the equipping of the saints so the pastors can do more ministering. No. <laughs> so the saints can minister to do the work of the ministry. You know, pastors, teachers, they have their function. It's, you know, here we, you know, in our modern day of Christianity, the way we, it's, it's, it's a pulpit ministry, some counseling and stuff like that. But um, again, but all of our responsibilities is to do the work of the ministry. And we get into this stuff, what is that work of the ministry that you do? Whatever God has gifted you to do. And when we get into spiritual gifts, we'll talk about that. No controversy in that subject, but we'll get into that. All of them. The friendly ones and the unfriendly ones. We're going to get into all of them. So, if you have the nerve, keep coming. <laughs> hey, it's like they say, well, they say no guts, no glory, right? <laughs> Alright. And lastly, and certainly not least, Matthew 28 didn't we? I thought we went all the way to 16. I, I, at the request, and I'll make it known to all concerned, at, at Jackie's request, I will go back to Ephesians 4.13, and I'll make some kind of a comment on it. I hope it's a good one. Now, in verse 12, it says, you know, again, for the equipment it says for the work of the ministry, right, the building up of the body in Christ, and it goes, until we all attain the unity of faith, till we all get perfected. So that tells me that the work is not over. So that's being, all this is the working of the faith. That, that, it's talking about our sanctification process. This is helping our sanctification process, which is an ongoing process that starts at our point of salvation to, the, to our point of death or rapture, whichever comes first. Then we'll be perfected. Up there we're perfected. Down here we're being perfected. Okay? And whatever hasn't been accomplished here will be accomplished up there. And I guarantee you there'll be something for all of us up there. Unless you reach somehow perfection here. When you make it, let me know, will you? <laughs> we come and attain the unity, and the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God again. And again, there's implied here too that we as a church, and I'm going to look at this. It'd be great, the church universal, but that's not going to happen. But at least the church here at Applegate Community Church, you know, I, my prayer is that we all are unified in what we believe. And I, I try very hard that everything I teach is what God is revealing to us here. I really don't put in my own imagination. When I, when I let my imagination go, I let you know. You know? But I don't, I don't interpret doctrine out of the white spaces between the verses. You know, it's got to be right here. What what God has delivered to us. That's, that's it. That's how it must be. You know, that's why in some of that stuff we read to in, in eschatology and some of those passion of revelation, I don't mind saying, hey, I don't know. You know, especially some of the stuff that uh, John was describing about what went into building the, the new Jerusalem. And stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
like the tree, remember the tree and the leaves? I, go, I gave you my guess on what that might mean, and this, I let you know on something like that. But on something like that, we're not talking about something that's going to hurt anybody's Christian walk, I do, I do believe. So, you know, and that's it. That's about as much as you'll ever hear me say, this is what I think it means, you know. Um, but anyway, and then verse again, and the whole point of this is to a mature man, individual, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Again, our standard is Christ. So if you think you've been perfected, compare yourself to the life of Christ and uh, keep working. <laughs> keep working. Yeah. He was the only human being that's ever arrived here on, on Mother Earth and lived a perfect, sinless life. And because of that, we will one day live a perfect, sinless life. Matthew 28:18. Can I, I go there now? Okay, Matthew 28:18. You know, the Great Commission, we all know this very famous passage. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again, when we get into ecclesiology, doctrine of the church, we'll talk about baptism. And... Uh, the Lord's Supper, things like that. Um, now, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Well, why would you do that? Well, if you want to make them true disciples of Christ, you got to teach them. you got to teach them what Christ taught. See, I mean, it's right there in the Great Commission. You know, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of of the age. That last phrase, somebody, well, that was the apostles. No, no, I went beyond the apostles because it says here, even to the end of the age. The age. The age hasn't ended yet. The end of the church age, when's that? Rapture. But it even extends beyond that. Into the tribulation period. Into millennial opinion. Really, the end of all that is the new heaven and new earth. People are going to be needing perfecting all the way till the eternal state which is the new heaven and new earth, all right? We just came off eschatology. Most of you know that, okay? And that's where t- final total perfection actually hits all of humanity that is saved. That's when it all happens. We, the church, get ours at the rapture, okay? Old Testament, when they are, remember, resurrected from the dead with the, along with the tribulation, tribulation saints, that was just confirmation. That, did you hear the heavenly chimes? That was, that, that was confirmation. <laughs> That's it. We're good. I'm going to quit now while I'm ahead, as they say. <laughs> I can't beat that one. <laughs> but anyway, folks, I'm looking forward to this. I hope, I hope you are, too. And um, again, you know, theology is not a four-letter word. It's our, theology is our friend. Go home. Theology is our friend. Theology is our friend. Okay. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to do that. Yeah, this is a great place to... Uh, got to get my uh, binoculars back on. But I put this verse down here. And again, this kind of... The Lord through Jeremiah kind of sums up what 
I hope happens with this study as a result. Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Boy, you can amen to that, and that's a good place to go out on. Thank you for reminding me. Heavenly Father, once again, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And Lord, as we study your word by way of theology, Lord, I just pray that you would keep me on track and that you would be glorified through this entire process and your church would be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.